thundering offertory. Uh, today, we are delighted to have Pastor Valentin with us to bring God's word. You've already met him as he was part of worship team this morning. He's a Na- Haiti National Director of Foundation for Peace, and he also serves as a pastor of his local church, Sanctuary of Grace. He'll be preaching part of our first Samuel series. So as he comes, would you welcome him, Pastor Michael Valentin, this morning. It is a great um, privilege and honor to be here this morning in uh, this great and beautiful temple to worship God. And it's been uh, amazing to meet all uh, my friends from uh, Haiti from previous trips. And uh, I'm very glad uh, to meet new friends and to be here uh, to share the word of God. And I bring greetings from my church in Haiti, which is Sanctuary of Grace. And would like to uh, give thanks to all of you who are supporting the construction of this church. It's growing really well. And uh, very soon, uh, we'll be ready for the roof of that church. So we would like to give thanks to everyone who contributes somehow to facilitate the construction of that church in Haiti. And uh, I would like, you know, actually to take this opportunity to, to uh, invite all of you uh, one day to join one of those trips to Haiti, like to worship, uh, you know, in a different place and to serve uh, other people. And we have different type of activities, working in orphanages, uh, working in school, if you have some uh, skilled knowledge, like, you know, whatever experience you have, uh, we can find a place that we can use it in Haiti. So I think the outreach team uh, will be at some point talking about those trips. We'll be happy to serve with you in Haiti one day. And I would like to thank all the pastors, all the elders uh, in this church who helped uh, coordinated my visit here. And I'm only thankful for all of you. And I'm, again, thankful for all my friends who come from many places, from uh, Washington State and from other places in Philly, New Jersey, and uh, New York who are here. And I'm very glad to see all of you who come here to serve and worship a God with us. I would like to invite you to open your Bible with me in 1 Samuel chapter 4. We are going to read just two verses, verses 21 and 22. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version. She named the child Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God had been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband, 
She said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. I would like to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray before we preach. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning. We would like to give thanks to you for the life that you gave us. And we will possibly not be able to count the blessings that you give us. We thank you because we can breathe. We thank you, Lord, because we can walk to be here in your presence to sing your glory, to praise you, to pray you, and to have the confidence that you are listening to us. We give thanks to you. And personally, Lord, I would like to thank you for this ministry. I would like to pray to you, Father, for all the pastors of this church, all the elders, all the uh, committee members, everyone who is helping at some point to make this ministry work, those work at the sound system, administration, or uh, whatever they do, please uh, Give them an extra blessings. Give them an extra protection. An extra strength, Lord. And those who are here in the sanctuary this morning, I pray to you, Father, to uh, forgive those who are looking for forgiveness. To heal those who are sick, who are looking for healings. And to take to a new level, to a new dimension, uh, in, you, in your service, please let us feel your glory this morning. Let us feel your presence. And we know, Father, we are not going back home the way we came in here this morning. And I would like to say the same way Jeremiah said, Lord, I do not know how to speak, but put your words in my mouth. So that I can speak to the heart of your people. I give thanks to you and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. In that scripture that we have for Samuel chapter 4, the main actors are the Philistines, the Israelites, and the ark of God. Let's say the Philistines, they were the descendants of Ham, one of Noah's sons. Actually, the Philippines really liked to fight. They were installed on the southeastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea between Egypt and Gaza. They arrived in the Middle East by boat from Greece and Crete. And during the time of Samuel, they were well established in five cities on the southwestern part of Canaan. They attacked Israel frequently in a quest to steal land from Israel in order to extend their territory. 
Therefore, they became the biggest enemies of Israel, and they were fighting very often. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we have kind a summary of two of those battles. Verse 1 and 2, we have the first battle when 4,000 soldiers from Israel were killed. Verses 3 to 5, the elders from Israel, they were very angry. They said, how come God let the enemy defeat us? This is bad. And one of them had a brilliant idea. He said, let's go to Shiloh. Let's bring the ark of God to the battlefield. Then that will give us the strength. That will give us whatever is necessary to be victorious over the Philippines. The Philistines, sorry. They sent Hophni and Phinehas, who were Eli's, the priest's sons. Here they went to Shiloh and they brought the Ark of the Covenant on the battlefield. Verses 6 to 9 let us know when the Ark came, the people of Israel, they were so happy. They were screaming so loud. The, the, they studied an earthquake. And the Philistines, when they heard that, they said, what is happening there? And they found out it's because the ark of God was on the battlefield in the camp of Israel. And they said, wow, man, what are we going to do? We heard all those things that happened to Egypt, to Jericho, to all those nations around. And one of them said, well, you know what? We're not going to keep it like this. We're going to fight. And they decided, verse 10 and 11, to start the second battle. The Philistines attacked Israel. And I guess Israel didn't kill much. And they probably did not fight as hard they could either because they fought like they have the ark of God in their camp. And they said, well, we would be victorious anyway as it used to be in the past. My friends, in fact, it was a disaster. In that second battle, 30,000 soldiers were killed. Hophni and Phinehas, the prisons were killed as well. And the worst of all, the ark of God was captured. In verses 12 to 18, the news arrived in Jerusalem. Everyone was crying. And when Eli, the priest, heard of that, he fell, broke his neck, and died. And from verses 19 to 22, Phinehas' wife, was pregnant when she heard all those bad news she went into labor and the ladies that were helping her said be happy you are giving birth to a son 
Unfortunately, what was supposed to be the reason of great joy didn't get a smile. She ignored them and she said, Call him Ichabod, which means the glory has departed from Israel. The glory has departed from Israel. It's from that statement I got the title for my sermon this morning The Journey Under God's Glory. The Journey under God's glory. And I would like to answer three questions in my sermon. The first question I would like to answer is, what is God's glory? The second one is, what can cause God's glory to depart from a place and from a life? And the third one, if that happens, how can God's glory be restored or be brought back after departing. What is God's glory? Let's agree to say God is in a class by himself. He has infinite perfections, infinite greatness, and infinite worth. Many scriptures talk about God's glory in the Bible. But in Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 to 33, that's uh, we find one of the very first passage about God's glory. When in verse 18, Moses asked God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And when we read the scripture, I would encourage you to do. God's answer to Moses, let us realize God's glory is about the manifestation of his power and the manifestation of his presence. This takes us back to our text. That's one of the first problems the Israelites had. On the battlefield, they had tons of soldiers. You saw they actually lost 30,000. Eventually, they have lots of food. Probably lots of money. And they did bring the ark, which made out of gold and wood, which had in it, you know, the tablets that has the Ten Commandments that the Lord gave to Moses. And, the, and a jar of manna, which, you know, kind of proved when God was feeding the people in the desert. And then they had Aaron's buried uh, uh, staff. It was kind of a symbol of God's presence. It was there. They had everything on the battlefield. But they did not have God's presence. My friends... Wherever you are listening to this message, I'm telling you, whoever you are, whatever you have, without God's presence, I would like to tell you this morning, you are nobody. My friends, we need to realize, without God's presence in our life, we become weak and vulnerable to the sword of the enemies. David knew really well the 
importance of the presence of God in his life. That's what he said in Psalm 51 verse 11. He said, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It is a prayer that you and I, we might want to do every day in our life. Oh Lord, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Let me underline that. One of the mistakes the Israelites made, they thought the ark of God could replace God's presence. They think the ark could replace God's power. In other words, they were using it as a good luck charm. They definitely knew Joshua used, I mean, I mean, was carrying the ark with his men when they were crossing the Jordan River. They definitely knew the Israelites, they carried the ark when they were uh, defeating Jericho. They kind of thought, well, that happened in the past. The ark was there. That gave us victory. The ark was there. We defeated all those nations. It's going to be the same way. My friends, I would like to let you understand this. You cannot fight spiritual warfare based on past victories. You cannot fight spiritual warfare relying on past blessings, relying, you know, on past, you know, you know, experiences. You cannot do that. And actually, one of the reasons why you can't do that is because the enemy itself, it changes tactics and strategy each time. Sometimes you think it's, it's going to attack you, I don't know, in your job. No, it comes straight in your family. Sometimes you think it will attack you from your family. <laughs> Actually, if you're playing, he can come to attack you in the church. It uses any things to attack you. The enemy always changing strategies. So that's why we cannot rely on past experiences. We cannot rely as some people do. Some people like use crosses. They use, I don't know, uh, rabbit food. They use, I don't know, a family Bible. They use tons of relic of the past. Those are important. And one thing we need to realize, the Christian life, it's not just an experience. It's not just a good sermon one day. It's not just a good mission team you go on. It's not just a good offering you give. It's not an experience. It's a journey that you have to do constantly under God's glory in God's presence. And that's what you and I, we need a constant, renewed relationship with God. And the Israelites, they made that mistake. They thought, well, it worked in the past. It will work today. You cannot rely on good luck. You can always rely on God's presence. Can we say amen? And uh, other things, the mistakes they made, they thought they could manipulate God. My friends, I can tell you, no, we cannot manipulate God. We cannot force God to do what we want to do. God is not a robot that you can control with your remote when you want him in New Jersey, you got it him here. When you want him in New York, we say, God, New York. I don't know. It's not like you cannot 
No. God, you need God's presence. And one thing I would like you to realize, my friends, nothing, absolutely nothing, cannot replace God's presence in your life. It's good to work. If you didn't work hard, you could not have this nice, this beautiful temple, right? Yeah, you had to work hard for that. If you didn't work hard, you could not, I mean, like, earn what you have in your lifestyle. But I would like to tell you, my friends, no amount of money can replace God's presence in your life. No degrees whatsoever can replace God's presence in your life. I know what I'm talking about. You know, myself, I have three bachelor degrees and one master's. I've studied a lot, too. I did some effort in my life. But I know none of them can replace what God's presence can bring to your life. And we all know that. As human being, there was that philosopher, his name is Archimedes. He said that 500 years before Christ, every human being has in them an emptiness that has the shape of God. There's a gap in your life that no money, no food can fill it in. That's why you have people. They got their tables full of food, but they have no appetite to eat. You can have people who have a bed made out of gold, their pillow made out of diamond, but they cannot sleep because there is a degree of peace that only the presence of God can provide. Nothing can replace it. And the Israelites, they made that mistake and they thought like just having that box on the battlefield could give them that victory. And I can tell you, my friend, serving God requires sacrifices. Sometimes we may have to sacrifice some advantages. We may have to sacrifice some positions if we would love to serve and please God. In Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That you were a good committed servant. 20 years ago, 10, 3, 2 years ago, that's a good thing. It's very encouraging that you had great experience, great miracles in your life. But I would like to tell you what matters most, my friends. It's what you are today, what you are in this very morning as you are listening to this one. That's what matters. You cannot. Live your Christian life in the past. Oh, wow. God, you, you know, I was such a great servant. I used to do this for God. I used to do that for God. What's most important, it's not how you started. It's how you are and how you want to end in Christ. And it's very important. And I can tell you while I was talking about miracles, myself, I'm a man that God granted a life full of miracles and one of them occurred in 2007 uh, it's when my wife was giving birth to my oh, our first daughter when on October 16th she was having some stomach pain and 
We took her to the hospital. They received her. On the 16th, we spent the whole day there. No baby. On the 17th, the whole day there. No baby. On the 18th, like after three days, I've seen so many women come in and get out with their baby. I was like, on the third day, I could not even drink water. My, like, I was in more pain than my wife. And I was there at the door. I mean, to make the things worse, you need to, like, the way the medical system works here in the United States, it's different in Haiti. For all that time I'm talking about, I could only hear screams. I could never see my wife. Like, as the husband, they don't accept you to go to the labor room. I don't know if you understand my situation. So, I was there. After three days, I was there on that Friday at 6 p.m. The gynecologist came out the door. Say, where are Nadej's families? So, that's my wife. I say, here I am, sir. And he said, we have a problem. I said, what happens? He said, your wife has been here for three days. I said, correct. He said, she needs a C-section urgently. And I said, okay, how much is that? And he said, that's the problem. Our operating room is broken. And our ambulance is not available. I don't know what you, friends, you, 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 you could do in this situation. After three days, C-section is needed urgently. No operating room, no ambulance. I did not have a car back then. Those are the situations when you find yourself in them. And that's what David said in Psalm 121. He said, I lift off my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? Say, my help comes from the Lord and from heaven. From the Lord. And it's just like in life, you can find yourself in situations when you have no one to help you. You have no one to support you. But you can always call on the Lord. As it says in Psalm 50, verse 15, he said, like, you can call on the Lord. Say, call on me in the day of your trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. After the doctor spoke, I didn't have any other option at that time. And usually, actually in Haiti, if when you're pregnant, you do not go to a hospital, they would not actually uh, receive you when you are in labor. There are situations you are, only God can help you. And what I did, I went. To the bag that I carried for the baby. I opened it. I grabbed the towel that we brought. And I went to that window. When I heard my wife was crying. And I got on my knees. I started praying and crying. I prayed and cried. I prayed and cried. While I was on my knees. I heard a baby cried. And there was a woman came. Uh. I heard her, like, right, still on my knees praying. I heard the woman say, 
where are the doctors and the nurses of this hospital? There is a woman giving birth on her own alone. And when they came back and God did the impossible, that woman who needed that urgency section with no operating room, the nurses abandoned her, the doctor left her alone in the room, the cleaning lady left her, but the Holy Spirit was there. Jehovah Jireh was there. Jehovah Rapha was there. And I can tell you, the Lord gave us I mean, like, I'm hoping one day you all will go to Haiti to meet the cutest girl on earth, which is my daughter. The Lord made it. Does that happen? With no... Inter- I don't know if you get this. Someone who needed an urgent C-section gave birth with the presence of nobody whatsoever in that room. And this morning, I can tell you, the Lord we're serving, when we are, you know, under his glory, when we have him in our life, the Lord, you can always count on him after everybody else says goodbye. In life, one time, you know, one day, people you count it on, they can maybe get discouraged with you. They can abandon you. They can get tired of you. My friends, you can always count on God. You can always count on Him in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your uncertainties. Actually, there is a writer that said, you cannot even, cannot count on your shadow because when you are in darkness, even your shadow hides from you. When you are in darkness, even your shadow hides from you. But it's different. You can always call on God. You can always rely on Him. And He is the Almighty One. And He did it. The Lord did the impossible. And, and that's today. I can tell you, He can do the same thing for you. And let's say, what can cause God's glory to depart from a place? What can cause God's glory to depart from a life? We have the answer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1 to 17. The fact, the incidents that happened in 1 Samuel chapter 4, it was not an accident. It was not a coincidence that started in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And we'll see. Uh, there was like Hophni and Phinehas. There were Eli's sons, which are the priests. There were supposed to be the one you know, encouraging people to serve God, the one maintaining the temple, that was not the case. Number one thing, they had no regard for the Lord. There's, number two, they failed to accomplish their duties. Number three, they have lack of respect for God's people and for God's temple. And number four, we had the apathy of Eli. He let them do whatever they wanted. He didn't, you know, talk to them. He said, like, oh, you, what are you doing in this temple? And I can tell you, my friends, you cannot play with God's presence. Whatever your responsibility is, I don't know. Whether in the choir, whether at church, I don't know, whatever you're doing, it's important. And I can tell you, my friends, when God's glory departs from a family, it's, it, it, 
you know, it's, it's really catastrophe. When God's glory departs from a church, it's catastrophic. When God's glory departs from a country, it's catastrophic. When God's glory departs from an individual life, it's catastrophic. With no God's glory on your life, no God's presence, you're poor, you're weak, you're just like, you're refining yourself, complaining all the time, always finding excuses to not do God's works, to not come to church. And we all know, if we want to find excuses to not serve God, to not do anything, we'll find plenty of excuses. But you got to be careful to understand and to fact check your life. Wow. Is God glory departing from my life? You, you got to fact check your life to understand. And today, if you realize that, you know, in your behavior, in your reactions, God's glory is departing. You got to fix it. It's important. Fix what needs to be fixed. Correct what needs to be corrected. Don't postpone it. You know, don't take it for tomorrow. And the time is now. The moment, you know, it's right now, what, whatever needs to be fixed. Because when you're living a life with the God's glory in it, in your, the, your journey is sad. Your journey is dark when you don't have God's glory in it. And how can God's glory be restored? Or be brought back after departing. If you check your life, you realize God's glory departing with no lack or no respect for God's thing or no interest in praying, in worshiping. Uh, Jesus gave that answer to John in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 to the Ephesian church. There are three things you can do to restore God's glory or to bring it back. If you realize it's departed, the number one thing is remember from what you have fallen. If we are honest with ourselves, if God's glory is not in our life, generally we know that. We can feel it. If it's in here, you will see it. And if it's not, you know that. And the number one thing you do, remember. Remember. From what you have fallen. And after remembering, what do you have to do? The second thing you need to, it's not on the screen, you need to repent. You need to repent. It's important. Don't just, okay, man, I know it's bad, but no. Make the decisions that you have to make today. Take the actions that you have to take today to fix what needs to be fixed in your life, my friends. I would love to just say, you know, just pray about grace, about, you know, love. You know, I know that's this type of sermon. But yes, it's not just that. We got to fix our life. We cannot live the way we want. You know, act the way we want. Do whatever we want. And expecting God is, will always be there for us. Will always be there, you know. Now, in our journey, if we realize there are things to be changed, let's repent. And the third thing is restart your first works. We need to restart that. It's very important that for me and for you, like, I don't know, whenever you came the first to accept Christ or when you first baptized, you had such love for God's thing. You have such motivation to pray, to serve, to go to mission. I don't know, to help. But today, it's like you get PhD in God. You don't need to make any more efforts. 
No, my friends, the Christian life is not just an experience. It's not just, you know, a good miracle and then you're done. Mm-mm. The Christian life, it's a journey. It's a journey that you have to have, you know, under God's glory, with God's presence. And uh, this morning, I would like you, my friends, to remember in our journey, we always need to renew our commitment with God through worship, through prayers, and fulfilling our duty for Him. And now, you know the status of the glory in your life as we are speaking. Please continue serving Him if you feel He is in and make the right decision to have it restored if you realize it departed. May God bless you this morning. I would like to invite you to bow your head as we're going to close with prayer. Do you have any father? One more time, we come before you. We would like to thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And you know our heart here. And you know all what we need. And we know you are a gracious God. You will always be there uh, to restore your power and your presence in our life. Help us, Lord, to always renew our commitment with you in the responsibilities that we would take to serve you, in creating time to worship you, to praise you, and to understand serving you is not an option. Worshiping you is not an option. But it is an obligation because we were created to serve you, to praise you, and to glorify your name. We give thanks to you, and we hope you will give everyone the necessary strength to apply your word in our life. We pray to you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.